0: Uh, so, First Corinthians chapter 3. So, anyway, you got young kids that, that some are able to do different things. Some of them are able to use the toilet sooner than others. Praise the Lord, they learn how to do that, right? So, that's like the first major win as a parent. It's like, thank goodness. And then, generally, what we do is we have more of them. And it's like, why did we do that? Uh, anyway, so, you you notice that they do that, right? And uh, a lot of times, the number of their age doesn't explain how much they can do, right? And so, that's, that's normal. We, we see that as normal. Well, the same thing kind of happens with... With teens, right? Uh, sometimes teens are able to do certain things that others are not. But instead of physical things, uh, we're talking that they're able to intellectually mature a little faster, right? Uh, some you know. You, sometimes you know teens that are like, they just seem older than what they are, right? They're able to process situations. They're able to uh, learn how to filter uh, their thoughts, their discernment, things like that. You know, it's just, it's normal for that to happen. Sometimes you see people and, my gosh, you guys are so late. No, it's all good. <laughs> it would have been more weird if I wouldn't have said anything. Okay. Uh, so, no, but like even with teens, uh, you know, sometimes they just mature faster. Sometimes kids are forced into maturing a little faster, and that's not what I'm talking about here, but, you know, just sometimes you, you just like, that they just seem older than what they are, right, and so uh, they just, it, they mature intellectually, a lot of times it has nothing to do with the number of their age, and doesn't really tell the whole story of who they are, right, and so I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, if, if, if we see these two examples show us that people can both physically and intellectually mature faster than others, do you think the same can be true, true spiritually? Yes. yes? Yes. Everybody says yes? C yes. Uh, earlier you were an Indian, now you're a Mexican. Aye, <laughs> now I'm a pirate. Uh, <laughs> it can be all things to all men. We might win some. It, so if you said yes, you're right. But also if you said no, you're right. How you, how you explain that answer, though, is really going to define how right you are to that question. Can somebody grow mature spiritually faster than than others yes a person can mature spiritually faster than others but they can't do it on their own right a person can mature i i know people who have been saved for 20 years and they're just still trying to walk it out i know people who have been saved two years that man they're just like it seems like they're on the fast track and they're getting it done and it really just depends on who you're relying on a person can't just wake up one day and decide you know what i'm going to do today I'm going to be more spiritual, right? Now, you can put yourself in a position to do more spiritual things, to live out more of the things that you know, but you can't just decide one day, you know what? Uh, it's time for me to move from level three to level four on the spiritual maturity chart. Like, this is the day. Mark it on the calendar. It doesn't happen like that. You don't just decide that one day. Like, you know what? Today's the day. It, it, does, it just doesn't work like that. You don't just wake up one, one day and decide, you know what? Today's the day. You can take the necessary steps to grow, but just like a plant in the field or a flower in a pot, all we can do is give them the best circumstance to grow, but God's got to give the increase. right? Uh, Doug's a farmer. You can ask him. You can do all the right things. You can put the seed in the ground, and I don't know this. You can ask Doug. But I think I know that you can put the seed in the ground and do all the right things, but at the end of the day, like I do not have the power to make said seed turn into corn taller than me. I can't do it. right? I'm, I'm simply trusting my faith that God is going to do his part. That's no different than growing spiritually. I can do all the things that I can do. I can put myself in the best circumstances, right? I can wait for the right time to do certain things, right? If you go out and, uh, you know, try to plant when it's, you know, well, it's, it's dry in January. We should go plant the seed. Well, that's not very smart, right? You, you have to do things in the right time. You can do all of the right things, but at the end of the day, it's up to God to give the increase, right? And so I'm going somewhere with all this, I promise, Notice the progression of tolerance between the three steps, the the three aspects we talked about. Right? When a child can't walk until they're two, we simply say, "Oh, they're young," and, right? And nobody thinks twice about it. It's no big deal. Like, they'll get there. Like, is, does anybody ever thought they're never going to learn how to walk? Oh my gosh! Right? This other kid, they're, they're getting it. They're never going to figure this out. Now, there was a time in in life that uh, Paige and I were like, I remember Brenton. He just never talked when he was little. Like, <laughs> never, ever, ever. And it was just like, I think, at, at one point, it was just like, he might not ever talk. Like, we really thought that there might be something, and it was okay, but it was like, Britton just may never talk. And then he went through a phase where, like, all he did was talk, and now he's, you know, a little more like me, he only talks what he has to, which is fine. But, like, but with walking, does anybody just like, I don't think my kid's ever going to walk. No, we just look at it, and we're like, it, they'll figure it out. It's not that big of a deal, right? It's not a big deal that they're not quite as physically progressed as others, okay? That's, we're simple, we're tolerant with that. When a teen seems to always speak out of turn and doesn't really have any discernment at all, we call them what? Immature, right? Well, They're immature. Uh, And although their lack of growth can still cause major problems, because sometimes now that they have a mind of their own, the words they say can sting pretty hard, we still chalk it up to they'll have some life, they'll live some life, they'll get some years under their belt, they'll figure it out, right? Now, we're, we're maybe slightly less tolerant than we are of a child who can't walk like come on at some point you're going to, have to figure it out right like you're 27 you still live at home at some point you're going to have to mature a little bit no that's not what i'm talking about but like we, we still chalk it up to you know the, they'll get it figured out like i don't think anybody is like these teens are never going to get it now there's times i've thought that but like we know that you know they've got to figure it out they've got to live life is there anybody in here that's like yeah i probably did some stupid things too when i was young right and we all had to what to walk it out to figure it out to 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 figure it out. I mean, other than Nick, <laughs> I know some things, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but when a quote unquote Christian who's been saved for years still doesn't know how to conduct themselves as a member of the body of Christ, what do we call them? There's a word for it. It's a biblical word: carnal. They're carnal. They're carnal Christians. They're they're living a carnal life. She's just red right ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Huh>? no. <laughs> yeah. no not redhead i know another redhead who likes to read ahead as well though so um maybe it's a uh, when we have a quote-unquote christian who's been saved for years and still doesn't know how to conduct themselves as a member we call him carnal unlike with the the other two phases we looked at there's really no justification nor understanding when someone who knows what to do and chooses not to do it, right? You see somebody who's been saved for however many years, and they're just, they're choosing to act like a fool because, you know, they're just wanting to act like a fool. Like, there's no understanding for that. Like, there is no, oh, they'll figure it out. Like, you need to figure it out, and there's no grace really involved in that because you know better, right? And so that's kind of the difference. So if a If a Christian is living a carnal life, does that mean... And this is a serious question, because some people would tell you this. If a Christian... She's totally not bothering me, just so you know. Uh, Well, I mean... (laughs) If a Christian is living a carnal life, does that mean that they're not saved? That they've lost their salvation? No. Obviously. And I promise I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. But there's like a line of thinking that I think Paul was really trying to figure out, was trying to pinpoint on... Just because like we're living carnally, or you're living carnally, I, like, I don't throw myself into that boat, right? No, I'm kidding. Just because we choose to do things carnally sometimes, it doesn't mean that, that we've lost our salvation, right? Uh, that's not it at all. Uh, the, the definition of carnality is, uh, if you look it up, it is a preoccupation with or indulgence in the flesh or the body and its passions or appetites, right? It's just simply being caught up in worldly things, I can go even a little farther to what it tells you if you look it up. Uh, It would be giving into the lures of carnality, whether that means sexual indulgence, whether that means uh, physical indulgence, real life, promiscuity, all those things. We know those things, but then it goes on to say uh, the quality or state of being merely temporal or worldly. So it would be complaints about my salary or jealousy or ambitions for a reputation or other forms of carnality shown in ways like that, right? So that's where it starts to get a little more personal about like, you know, I deserve that, I need that, I have to have that, right? That, that is what carnality in, in worldly sense would mean. And so does that mean if you were thinking that way that you've lost your salvation? No, that's not the point. The point here is Paul's saying, hey, you guys have some things going on and we need to kind of address them because obviously we don't want to live this way forever. I don't know of any Christian that looks at themselves in the mirror and says, you know what, I'm not doing things right, but I don't want to get any better. I don't want to grow. I don't want to change. Think back to Romans 7 for a minute, right? When we were going through Romans. This is the Dr. Seuss chapter. Why do I do the things that I don't want to do, but want to do the things that I should do, but I ought not do these? It goes on and on, right? Romans 7, verses 18 to 20. Let me read some of it. It says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Well, wait a minute. I thought I was doing a pretty good job. He says, In me dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform... That which is good, I find not. Have you ever found yourself there? Like, I want to do good, but how to do good, I just can't can't put my finger on it. Like, I want to do the right thing. I want to grow. I want to be godly. I want to live a godly life. I want to be a godly husband. I want to be like a godly father. I want to do all those things. How to do it, though? Man, sometimes it is just like, how do you act this thing out? How do you live this thing out? Well, he goes on to say, in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that do I. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He basically says, I want to do the things that I should do. I can't do the things that I ought not do. And at the end of the day, it's just like, man, it's not me. It's the sin that dwelleth in me. And he boils that whole chapter down to say, we still have skin on. You still have a flesh, and you're still going to battle it every day until you die. So how do you live that? How do you walk that thing out? How do you figure out how to live godly in a carnal world? How do you... Act godly in a, in a carnal church, and I'm not saying this is a carnal church, but in, a, in a, a Laodicean era where everybody wants more of them and less of God, and we call it church. Like, that is really what American Christianity is. I want more of me, less of God, and we're going to call it church. Like, that's what, that's what we're boiling it down to. It is. That, that doesn't make sense. I don't know what I was trying to say there. It says it is completely to be born. Like, I can't understand what I was even trying to say. So anyway, Paul gets into this chapter and he's like, okay, so here are some here's some things for you to kind of look at, right? Here's some things and, and I, I gave it a, a name, a title, right And it's just basically a, a carnality self-examination, right? Like I don't like to go to the doctor. So I just like try to figure out what's going on with me on my own, right? Or ask Doctor Page, and she tells me what's wrong. And um, but I, this is a, this is this is a carnality self-examination. We're going to go through the first eight verses here, and let me just read them, and we're just going to kind of go through this because Paul points out some things, and he's just like, hey, this isn't right. Something's not going here. He says, "And I, brethren, obviously." So he says, "Brethren," he's talking to. Other Christians, he's talking to the church, right? Again, he's not talking to the lost people. I think it's clear that it's good that he clarifies this because some people would try to say, oh, he was talking to the lost people at Corinth. No, he's talking to the people in the church. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as in spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Like, how would that roll? If I come rolling in here on Sunday morning and I'm like, "Hey, just so you know, before I teach this, uh, I'm really teaching this uh, very simple and very basic because uh, y'all are acting so out of turn and so childish that this is the only way you're going to understand it." You'd be like, "Dang, what happened to you? What happened to Jason?" Right? And, and you'd probably be like, "Peace, I'm out." <laughs> okay. And that, but Paul, he's just like, "This is what you got to hear. Uh, you're acting like a bunch of kids." Verse two: I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither were you able. Uh, neither yet now are you able. He's like, even then you couldn't hear, it and you still haven't grown any. Verse three: For you are yet carnal, for as whereas, whereas there uh, is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? He's like, I already know you're gonna be like, no, we're not. He's like, okay, you got envying, strife, division. Like, are you not carnal? Uh, just look at yourself. Verse 4, for one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. He he goes back to this again. He's like, are you not carnal? I I still haven't forgotten about what you guys were doing here. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And we're going to definitely dive into the rewards and all of that starting next week. But that's as far as we're going to get. And so I have, I have a carnality self-examination. Here are six self-checks to measure your carnality level. Six self-checks to measure your carnality level. And the one sure way to get it out of your life. Write fast. Say it again. Six self-checks to measure your carnality level and the one sure way to get it out of your life. The first one. <laughs> <No. laughs> right fast. Sure. The one sure way to get it out of your life. <laughs> Verses one and two. He this is the first self self-check. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as in a spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes. In Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were to bear it, neither. Yet, now are you able? He's just like, uh, I had to make this as simple as simple. The first carnality self check you need to ask yourself is Am I able to feed myself? He might be like, Check. I do it several times a day, right? Like, I like to eat, right? Am I able to feed myself? And you guys know what I'm talking about. Are you able to, if for whatever reason, God forbid they shut this church down and whatever else, you know, they did a pretty good job of it for a while, you know, and the internet goes down, that's even worse. You know, like, are you able to feed yourself? Like, are, are you honestly, like, oh yeah, for a week or two, that's no big deal, I can, you know, some of us like to say I've got reserves, right, so I, I'll be okay, but... uh after a while you are really going to have to feed yourself like are you able to feed yourself are you going to be able to continue in your spiritual walk without somebody spoon feeding it to you right and i'm not saying they coming in and hearing the preaching of the word the teaching of the word that's bad you should do that right but if somebody's not spoon feeding it to you are you going to start to get hungry are you able to feed yourself that's the first thing because a carnal christian they can't a carnal Christian rolls into church because they're supposed to be here, because there's prestige that comes with being here, because there's things that go along with who they are, and that's why they are here. No, a, a carnal Christian has nothing to do with opening their Bible outside of church. Man, it sits in the car or or on the nightstand or something like that. But I'm t- are, you, are you kidding me? Open this thing during the week? Uh, I don't have an interpreter. Why would I do that? You know, no. I'm, I'm, are you able to feed yourself? right and then in each one of these i have like a next level question you could ask yourself to get a little more personal because you know i like to get a little much into your little a little much into your grill sometimes the next question you could ask yourself with this is what am i feeding myself yeah i'm able to feed myself okay like i'm i understand that we all have the same amount of minutes in the day some of us use them doing different things what are you feeding yourself some of us work a lot that's me. Some of us, you know, chase our kids around. That's also me right now. I really like watching my, my kids do things, right? Uh, Brendan's playing baseball right now. It seems like we're running everywhere, and, and that's awesome. Right, but what are you feeding yourself? You know, if you're feeding yourself more of the TV screen than you are this book, I'm not saying. I'm just saying, like, there might be something to that, carnal Christian. Right? Are you able to feed yourself? Well, that's good. What are you feeding yourself? Because it's easy for anybody to come in and say, yeah, I know how to read this Bible. Okay. What are you feeding yourself then? You want to get a little more personal with it? What is it that you're putting in? Right? Because a lot of times what you put in is what comes out. That's just how it works. And so, you know, even sometimes with with kids, they're like little mini-me's, right? It's really easy to tell how things are at home because uh, the kids portray what is going on at home in front of everybody. The parents are able to, real rein it all in when people are around. The kids, nah. They're they're just like, this is how how we roll, man. So, no, it's... But the same thing, like, what you put in is, 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 is what comes out. That's just how it is. You know, if, if you're submersing your mind with the Word of God, with the things of God, with, then guess what's going to come out? The things of God. That's just what happens, right? It, it's, it's, it's just what it, I'm not even going to go down that road. Okay, so that's the first one, right? Am I able to feed myself, and what am I feeding with? So he goes on in verse 3. He's got several of them right here, right? Here's the next self-check in your carnality self-examination. Do I have envy in my life? Do I have envy in my life? He goes on and he says, uh, for you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying. And then he goes on. But am, uh, do I have envy in my life? What does envy mean? I don't have time. I'm going to read you the definition because y'all are slow. <laughs> wow. Envy. i got to keep moving. I'm running out of time. Because somebody would give me a definition and I'd be like, that's really close, but that's not right. And so, like, because the only right answer, on the, the only right answer is what dictionary.com says. So, Okay, so envy is seeing something that somebody else has and thinking to yourself, I want that or I deserve that. It's very similar to covetousness. It's different than jealousy. That's really close, but... (laughs) (laughs) I only said that because that's what I said I was going to say. It says, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or... That's what I... I know. I just said it in Jason's speech. I know, I was... I was just simply telling you. That's what I would have said to anybody. So the point here is do you have envy? Are you looking at what somebody else has and like, man, I I need that. I should have that. I deserve that. Right? And most of us would be like, no, I do a pretty good job of keeping envy out of my life. Right? But do we? Right? We're like, man, I really wish that I had that job. I wish I was able to live in a house. I wish I was able to drive a car like that. you know, I'm not unhappy with what I've got, but it'd be really cool if I could have that, right? Or you know, that, that's that's the that's the, the definition not on dictionary.com, but the definition of envy. Like I wish I could have that. I'm not mad about what I got, but like just <laughs> take what you got and roll with it. Like God has given everything that you have. Everything that you have is because God gave it to you. Like in, I'm not hitting anything. Whether it be houses, cars, anything, like relationships, they are all because God gave them to you. Like for you to be like, "I wish I had that instead," is saying I don't really like what God gave me. No, that's not. It's like going to a a kid's birthday party, and it's like, you know, I got you a lot of nice stuff, and they're like, "I just wish I had that over there." It's like, well, you're not grateful for the stuff that I gave you here. Like we look at it, and it's like, oh, it's very simple. But then when it's in our own lives, we're like, it's not so simple anymore, right? Do you have envy in your life? I mean, that's that's the trade. That's one of the trademarks of a carnal Christian. They're they're looking around. They're like, "Well, I ought to have that. I should have that. I should. We should be doing that." Or even even worse yet, we look down the road and we're like, "Well, what's that church over there doing? We should be doing that. We should be doing ministry like that. We should be doing outreach like that. We should have service times like that. We should have a praise band like that. We should all of the different things, right? It's because we just want to keep up. We want to be like everybody else. We we're not content with what we have. And so we always want something different, right? Here's your kind of next level question that goes with it. Have I ever envy, envied godly things? I mean, we've all got envy in our life. I'll just call you out on it, right? We all see things sometimes and we're like, man, that's really cool. That'd be really awesome to have. I mean, I'm not mad about what I got, but it'd be really cool to have. You know, There's some big shiny trucks driving up and down the road that I'm like, that's really cool. So yeah, and, but it's just like, no, but... If you want to get more serious, have you ever envied godly things? Like, I, I that person, they really have a really godly quality in their life. I, I really wish I could grow to be like that. Yeah, desiring the office of the bishop is a, is a great thing. It's what uh, Timothy says. There's all these different... So if you're going to envy, we're, we're bound in it. We, we talked about that earlier. It's, it's in our flesh to do these things. Try doing these things towards godly things envy something that's godly you know not i i really like that the way that lady does that i wish i could do that no i i like the way she does that how can i grow to be like that because too often we see it and we're like oh they're really good at that they're they're just super special right and then we start to have like this heart of discontentment or resentment towards a person because they are able to do something it'd be like me looking at somebody and it's like well that's really cool that you can throw a football for 75 yards just because you were born that way, right? Or it'd be like, what can I do to try to, to grow myself to be able to do that? Well, I'm never going to be able to throw a football 75 yards. But but either way, instead of having feelings of resentment towards somebody who does have a quality, instead just be like, what can I do to grow myself to have the same quality? Because, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. If you're going to envy something, envy godly things. Envy how you can be more like him. Okay, he goes on to say, i got to keep moving because there's six of these. Uh is there strife in my world? That's your, sec- your next question, your third, yeah. Is there any strife in my world? You know, some people are like, man, my world is like a tornado. Well, that is what strife is, right? Uh, strife is just like craziness. Um, tornado, that's the definition? Angry, no, <laughs> strife. Strife means angry or bitter bitter disagreement over fundamental issues, conflict, right? Just conflict. You ever feel like there's just, my life is conflict? You know, my home is conflict. It's just like no matter what happens, it's just conflict. Always just division and bittering and like this conflict. You ever felt like you just live in that sometimes? That's never good, right? Is there any strife in my world? A lot of times we look at strife and we're like, okay, do I have any... uh do I have any strife with, like, people in the church? And so we start thinking about ministry, and we start thinking about, I don't really have anything that's, like, dividing the ministry per se, and I don't know that there's, you know, anybody that's... I I feel like I'm doing pretty good in this area. You know, a lot of times we think about strife, and that's what we think about. Or at least me. I I think about, like, I I immediately go to the church, and I make sure that, like, there's nothing that uh, is is causing me to have... So the first thing my mind would go to, is there anything that's going to cause me to, like, be... um, I don't, I don't know the word I'm thinking of. Uh, discontent to go to the Lord's Supper, right? Because like there's something dividing me from somebody. That would be If you're, sh- you're striving with somebody, you should never go take the Lord's Supper. And so I always think big picture. I always think, like, is there anything in the church? Have I said something? Have I offended somebody? Because that's what I do. So that's always the first thing I go to is, like, what have I said that I've offended? Or what have I done? You know, things like that. Okay, so do you have any of that in your life? Because there's some of that that goes on at HBF. There just is. There's people who just like conflict they just they just like conflict they're just that's the world they live in okay but here's one that gets a little closer because you know here's your next level question what about in my closest relationships what about in my closest relationship instead of thinking about the ones across the church or what did i say to that person that i don't really ever talk to but maybe once every couple weeks what about at home is there strife at home is there conflict at home and i'm not even talking about like open conflict but i'm just talking about like Fundamental differences, Mom and I are are not are not tracking on how we're dealing with the kids you know we're not tracking on how we 're going to go about this or go about that. Not enough that we're like going to come into a a full blown argument about it and we're going to uh you know just have a knock down drag out about it because we really ain't got time for that right now, but like is there conflict is there division mentally where it's just like this isn't right, we both know that it's probably not right we'll get around to it later that is that is what we're talking about here. That is strife. That is strife at home. We're so worried about making sure there's not strife in the workplace, strife in the church. We kind of start to forget about just the, the simple things at home because, you know, there's times that even, even Paige and I, shocker, I know, like we look at things and we're just like, well, this is how we got to do it. And she'll look at me and she's like, why would we do it like that? And I'm like, because that's how we should do it. And no, we should. I'm like, all right, whatever. We'll figure this out later. And it's not even like a huge deal. A lot of times. It's not even like a huge deal, but it's just like, okay, we'll figure it out later. Like, this is just, that is just, it's just conflict. And sometimes you need to make sure that there's no strife at home. And I'm not talking about just in your marriage, but yes, in your marriage. But like with your kids or, you know, with the way that you do anything. She's your boss too, though. Wow. It's, it's, it's a weird dynamic we have rolling in here. So... But that's what happens. Too often we think of strife, and we start to think about the big picture. And we need to sometimes get the little microscope out and like, let's look at home first. Let's make sure that we're on track here, right here, right. Is there? I mean, we could we could talk about anything, guys. I mean, we're talking about like, well, he thinks we ought to do this more often. She thinks we ought to do that more often. He thinks that we ought to like the things that aren't just like we're not going to argue about it. But uh, and you guys can fill in the blanks with whatever any of those things are. I'm just talking about like that's what that's what causes broader the next thing divisions right because strife causes division conflict causes division and so that's your next number four are there am i a part of any divisions he, he goes on to say uh, in verse three he says for you are at carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are you not carnal he's just like this this is all going on in the church what is happening here Paul, paul's like i you're not getting anything done you're supposed to be doing because you're so caught up and all caught up in all this other stuff Am I a part of any divisions? Now these would be broader, like we're not going to that church anymore. We're not. We're not going to be a part of that ministry anymore. You know, so strife has now become. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm putting my foot down. Okay, this is where this is where problems really start to rear their ugly head. You can you can get you can fix this by never letting strife blossom. Right. You can fix this by never letting strife really get anywhere. You know, you have enough strife at home, and all of a sudden somebody's going to eventually put their foot down, and that's where you start having larger issues. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm sure this has never happened in anybody's life ever. This is where the man says, I thought everything was fine. And she's like, have you not listened to anything I have said for the past however many months? I've been trying to tell you little by little. And it's like, why didn't you just tell me then? Like, I remember young in our marriage, I told Paige, I'm like, if there's something going on, don't just assume that I am smart and I can figure it out. Just don't do that. Because I can't. i am just tell you right now, I am not that guy. I will not be able to just, like, piece the puzzle together. I'm not that kind of guy. If there's something going on, you have to be black and white. Hey, this is what's happening. And then she started doing that, and I'm like, could you do it a little easier? <laughs> because she was being just real with me. And I'm like, okay, I I asked for it, but, you know... <laughs> Anyway, but that's what happens. Like, so handle things at the strife level before they become divisions. Because when they become divisions, how hard is it? Like, so somebody comes into the church, I don't know if we're going to get done. Somebody comes into the church for like, for marriage counseling at that point like the things on life support by the time you come and talk to the pastor about it like it's so broken that it's hard for anybody to to repair it i mean obviously god can do anything but if you would come in or if you would talk you know talk things out or you know meet with somebody when they're smaller things it's much easier to you know address the smaller things when there's just a couple as opposed to you know this 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 are going on and it's just like holy smokes where do i start right how how do you know how do you address all of this, and it can be done, but what i'm saying is if you start to address things at the strife level, man we don 't get to the division level we don't get to the huge blow up knock out drag out you know, and that 's what we 're talking about we 're talking about in the ministry we 're talking about here the next level to go with your division, what lines have I drawn on the sand that i'm not willing to compromise on? sometimes these are good, but sometimes they're not so good sometimes people are like. I've already decided in my marriage, I will not do that. He will not do that. She will not do this. And it's like, okay, it's good to know boundaries, but at the same time, like, compromise is a word meaning everybody's willing to give a little, right? And so I understand if all you're doing is giving, 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 and they're never giving at all, like at some point you might have to draw a line. But the point here is sometimes people say, like, from the get-go, this is the line. Well, that's not compromise, right? In, In the church, if we say, uh, I'll work in the ministry, but this is the line. That's not compromise. Like all of those things. So be careful when you just say this This is the line. I won't go any farther. I'll also say from a completely different sermon from years ago in my life, be careful with drawing lines in the sand with God because uh, God didn't play with lines. He's just like, okay, if the, I'll do anything for you, God, except for this. Don't be surprised when the next day the question is, will you do this? And then it's just like, okay, it's up to you. I, I'm going to fast forward you to that point. Are you going to grow or not? And then generally you step across and you're like, okay, that wasn't so bad and then I'll do anything for God except for this don't be surprised when he fast forwards you to that point again that's a completely different thought train train of thought but anyway the, the point here is, huh? Squirrel. yeah the, 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 the point is like it's good to have lines and boundaries but don't ever, don't ever set yourself up to not compromise no matter what relationship it is because you don't ever know what the other person's going through. And I'm not talking about your spouse, because you should know what they're going through. But like, in, in, in the church or whatever else, and you're like, you know what, this person, if they're not willing to at least do this in the ministry, then you know what, we just got to call it. Like, at, at the end of the day, you don't know what they're, you don't know. And uh you don't know what God's training them, teaching them, all of these different things. So you have to be careful with like, this is the line, we're not going any farther. Just be careful. Because... uh sometimes that can be damaging not just to you but to other people so um, be careful with the divisions. we got to stop. I can't go anymore. there's just too much to get there yeah there's still there's still basically three points that's not gonna work so all right um, as far as we get make it a point to be here this week this is uh, there's a lot of stuff that, that God does. I'm really playing this thing up. It might be like a total flop. I don't know. And be like, man, this guy really wanted me to be here and it was not that good. I'm just like, as personal testimony, uh, God has used this conference, not this year's, but this conference to really grow me, to stretch me personally. Um, I remember it was about this time of year when uh, I felt like God was uh, calling me to get trained up for whatever it might be. I remember it was about this time of year that it was God calling me to, like, just lay some things down. And, you know, if whatever it is that God calls me to do, I'm ready to go. And so, uh, just hear from God. You know, obviously there's going to be people you do know, people you don't know speaking. Sometimes the best one it's people you don't know. Because, you know, you can just really, instead of having preconceived ideas about what they think or what they know, just hear what, what God is using them to say. And, uh... It genuinely, genuinely is uh, a good time, so hear from God this week, that would be my, my, I don't know the word I'm looking for, my implority to you, it's probably not a word, but... Yeah, I I beseech you to really hear what God uh, has to say um, because He uses things like this. So with that, let's pray and uh, we'll get going. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just the letter to the Corinthians, Lord. Sometimes it can be seen as a harsh rebuke, Lord, but I pray that we use it as kind of a, a measuring stick to make sure that we don't, find ourselves at the end of this rebuke and a lot of times if we can catch things uh, on the inward before they become outward then um, it really could save a lot of uh, strife and division uh, in the church and our families and our homes lord i do pray that you would uh, just speak through the men who are going to speak this week pray for andrew he's going to be speaking quite a bit and um, that you would just uh, really get a get a hold of uh, the heart of your church, uh, get people's um, just vision where it needs to be, and that people would be willing to uh, just step up and say, you know, here am I, send me, Lord, just use me. Um, there's a lot of trips coming up. There's a lot of opportunities to be involved and what you're doing here at HBF and around the world. And I pray that people would you know, just be stirred up to, to take that next step and to do something about it. So I pray you just uh, bless the Word as it goes out for the next several days uh, and goes on hearts that want to hear it. And I pray it's all in Christ's name. Amen.